Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Ah, uh, they're teeing it up as we speak out at the Congressional Country Club in Bethesda, Maryland. The U.S. Open hath begun 72 holes of wonder for 150 of the finest golfers in the world. We'll talk about that and more. A lot of baseball news. We got an NHL Stanley Cup champion to be crowned. We'll jump off the sports page as well. We'll wish a special happy birthday to White Castle who apparently uh, celebrated their 90th anniversary yesterday. I don't know how we missed that, but somehow we did. We also, along with all those stories, will enjoy the award-winning music of the TalkZone.com. It's inspirational and it's motivational. Sure, but I heard a rumor that is the music that uh, Congressman Anthony Weiner was listening to when he sent out many of those texts. That was his motivation. That was his inspiration. Without this music, Wienergate might never have happened. Thank you very much. Apparently today, uh, a little bit later on, David Olson and Anthony Weiner are going to announce his resignation. I'm disappointed in that a little bit. I hope, was hoping. He would uh, hold strong and hold true, and uh, the scandal would die out a little bit, and his wonderful politics would come back into a play. I'm one of the rare uh, Anthony Weiner supporters, but, uh, you know, apparently I'm an island unto myself. Schedule got too big too fast, and it wasn't going to go away. This is the only way to make it go away, is he has to go away. I don't know about that. I think that's a perspective spoken from, uh, you know, the last three, four, five, six, seven days. I think if we would have... He needs to go away. He's not going to get reelected anyway. Yeah. Now, yes, he is actually. If, if you listen to the people in his district right now, it's still, I think, like fifty-six percent approval rate. So I think he would get reelected in his district. Well, he must have a lot of like twenty-five-year-old women in his uh, in his district. No, no, he's got a lot of liberal thinking, uh, for forethought thinking, very intelligent people out there who are smart enough to overlook this scandal and realize that the guy is uh, fighting for a greater good. Well, let them save the world. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic. Thanks for joining us, everybody. 888-463-6748. That is our telephone number if you want to join us on a more uh, impersonal basis. We welcome you to do that. The voice you just heard, even without the introduction, is my good partner, the uh, Laurel and Hardy. If we were Laurel and Hardy, you'd have to be the Hardy, of the, and I'd be Laurel, right? I'm, I, I don't know which is which, Coach. Laurel, to be quite honest with you, the only thing I know of them is who's on first. Sadly, sadly. That's that's not them though. That's Abbott and Costello. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, I would be Costello. Yeah. You'd be Abbott. I would be Stan Laurel. You'd be Oliver Hardy. Either way, it's my good partner, the Big Dog, Joel Radwanski. Big Dog, you sound like you're uh, up. And lifted and ready to fire out today. How are you, my friend? Oh, yeah, there's nothing like uh, Stanley Cup loser violence in Canada. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, honestly. It, it, and and I, I've said this to you many times, Coach. I, I do want to get back to White Castle, and I will. But, you know, there's violence in the street. They're flipping cop cars in Vancouver because they're, they're, the police are that outnumbered. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I remember last year when the Hawks were beating Vancouver and the Vancouver fans were ridiculously harsh on the Blackhawks. And the basic, the, the consensus on Twitter was simply, you know, this is our sport. We love it. You guys could care less about hockey. You guys didn't even have 2,000 people in your arena two years ago, and they were really upset about it. I mean, it was venomous, Coach. These people are idiots in Vancouver. Idiots. Well, it's a bit of a generalization. First of all, I had in my notes before reading about the uh, post-celebration. The people in the street burning I stuff up. understand. Right. I had in my notes to uh, uh, congratulate. The Vancouver fans, because uh, at the end of the game, you know, the obvious disappointment setting in. They lost in front of their home crowd, but the home crowd did wave the towels and give their team, if not a standing ovation, at least a complimentary cheers, and the team came out, raised their sticks up in the air. I thought that was a nice touch from the Vancouver fans. Yeah, and, and uh, Luongo made a save late in the game when it was 4 nothing, and they all chanted, Lou. Which I was like, hey, for the fans that stayed, mm-hmm. pretty cool. Those yeah. are real Canuck fans. Yep. But the knuckleheads, oh my! <laughs> they're the Vancouver has issues with their with their fans. Okay, mm-hmm. they're kind of like the Philadelphia of of Canada. They've got to be coach because, I mean, Ottawa's had some bad incidents with fans, but Vancouver year in year out always has the worst fandom in all the sports. The most rabid, without a doubt. With those, <laughs> wonderful, you know, wonderful city, Vancouver, a phenomenal city to visit. Beautiful, spacious. Uh, for the naturalistic uh, lover like yourself, Big Dog, it's a great place to go to. The people of Vancouver, for the most part, very nice. But you are right. There is a large segment of uh, Vancouver rabid hockey fans that go uh, one toke over the line, sweet Jesus, just a little bit, huh? They're, they're like English national soccer fans, Coach. Yep, that's a good comparison. I mean, really, why would you start flipping cop cars? What would what would inspire you to flip a cop car? The only way it would be is if... Uh, that car has to be turned over. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, I'm sure uh, uh, you got anger, you got frustration, and you've got uh, you know two, three, four, maybe seven or eight alcoholic beverages. So you combine those three. Not obviously condoning it, but you asked how would you do that? That's probably you combine those three elements, and uh, a cop car gets overturned. That, that's really, really ugly. What those? Oh, the fourth. The fourth are... element, by the way, would be would be crowd. You're not unto yourself, but but you got the mob mentality. Obviously, there's no White Castles in Vancouver, okay? And that's what needs to be done. At 4 o'clock in the morning, you have an option. <laughs> you have a couple options. Beat somebody up. Yep. Uh, go home with a girl, okay? Flip a cop car or go to White Castles. Those Ooh. are your four options when you're totally waiting and, to that 3 to 4 o'clock in the morning. And okay? you can only pick one of those four? Yeah, and obviously, we all know we have rankings of which one you want to do, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, so some people want to start the fight. Some people want to flip cop cars. Some people want the girl. Some people go to White Castle. I think about the 90 years of White Castle. This is their 90th birthday, Coach. Yes. How many tons of carbon dioxide do you think uh, <laughs> White Castle has caused in 90 years? I, I've got some interesting facts and figures on White Castle, but uh, well, tons I of uh, that one. That's I, what I want to hear. I do not have the carbon dioxide figures, but uh, you know, White Castle was the place some people can't do without. Big dog. Oh, this is true. Maybe I should ask for the sulfur content that they've released. <laughs> I wonder, is there is there any, let's see, the White Castles, okay. there's 415 of them, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Tennessee, and Wisconsin. There are no White Castles north of the border, Big Dog. I think that's a business opportunity waiting to happen. i, I got to tell you something. If one of those, somebody had a slider, they wouldn't want to flip a cop car. They'd be like, hey, why don't the two of us go get a 30-sack and mm-hmm. 15 each? It's true. 
and then just wake up tomorrow being like, what yep. the heck happened to us? We so don't even remember. <laughs> Soak up a little of the alcohol, take uh, some of the pain away. I think it would be a win-win situation. Maybe you and me could go into business, whatever city happens to lose, like a big championship game. Immediately, we have to start that thing up. We are there with the White Castle uh, mobile truck. I don't know. To be honest with you, okay, we have the White Castle in, in the Midwest. Okay, obviously. Out west, now you see Culver's is starting to spread a little bit everywhere. Culver's has got like their yep. own little creation, which is pretty, you know, heart-stopping. Have you been to the In-N-Out I'll Burger? I have never had a In-N-Out Burger. The Culver Custard Shake, awfully good. David, you've been a, a Culver oh, fan? My kids won't eat any other kind of fast food except oh, for Culver's. They're, they're yeah, hooked yeah. on the Butter Burger. They're right? hooked on it. That's it, well, not good. It's, it's ridiculously good. It, <laughs> it is. <laughs> It, it is because they make everything fresh. Uh -huh. It's like it's, you know, fresh grade A beef. It's fresh cheese. The, fresh gre lettuce. the grease is fresh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know where Culver's is nationally? Is it is, is it like in all fifty states or is it just like a Midwest and Southern thing? I think, I think it. I think it's just a Midwest and yep. Southern thing. I think it started in Wisconsin and it's spreading out. Yep. Yeah, and it's going like it went straight to the SEC. It was like right. So, uh, but I don't. In and Out Burger is actually I think a little bit better. But like Culver has everything. I mean, those oh, the custard. Are you kidding me? That's like the only fast food I'll eat. I eat it like four, six months, Coach. And they don't so. have it on the menu all the time, but they they have walleye that they have, they bring in like every other month as a special. And it's fantastic. Wow. Probably like the guy who opened up the first Culver's is fishing for it in Wisconsin somewhere. Maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe. You got to be awful gutsy to order a fresh walleye. From a Culver's hamburger restaurant. When Dave says they bring it in every other month, they're not a big dog. You can actually order it, and you know they they brought it in like two weeks ago. So no, I you think, know, I, I don't think I think they're smart enough not to serve nasty tasting fish to their customers. Well, they keep it frozen. You know, mean, they're not going to come in with a ton of it. They're probably just a, like a hundred pounds to it to a, like a Culver's. You can get rid of that in a day or two. It's it's gently aged for the uh, young and or old fan brave enough to order a walleye at a Culver's. Is that what smoked means? They could tell it when it was fresh, so they just hang <laughs> it up to preserve it a little bit. Uh, 1921, my friend. 1921, the first uh, White Castle opened in the city of Chicago. Uh, five cents. The slider cost five cents back then. Wow. It's well, actually, that's actually more expensive than I would have thought it would have been, considering how small they were. Yeah. Five cents, that's... Okay, so that would be, the, in, in 1921... That was about that would have been like the equivalent of about ninety cents today. So I guess yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. It was like eighteen to twenty to one at that point. Ninetieth anniversary of uh, White Castle. Happy anniversary to our good friends at White Castle. The burgers, by the way, have five holes in them because it helps the patties cook faster, big dog, and more evenly. But here's the key: it eliminates the need to turn them over. The design was proposed by an anonymous employee suggestion sheet back in 1947. So 25 years. 26 years after they opened, they went with the famous five holes, and I guess you don't have to flip the burger because of it. That, that's an interesting fact. It's good to know. Maybe I'll try that in homemade burgers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, I'm a big fan of the George Foreman grill right now, but we get sidetracked. But I'm starting to use that puppy more and more. If you, if you cook the right things, yeah. the George Foreman grill, a big fan for like 15 years now. Those, yeah. those things are old. I've been using that like basically... Within a year since it came out, I'm a big fan too, Coach. I got it for a gift like six years ago, and it remained unopened for five years. And about a year ago, I finally delved into it, and I'm not, you know, I'm not like going nuts on it, but I am becoming more and more of a regular user. I understand now the phenomenon of why George Foreman became a multimillionaire with that particular product.
I, uh, I do. The chicken is awesome, by the way. I beg your pardon? Cook the chicken on George Foreman Girls. Oh, really? Incredible. Works, works what? Well, that's the best stuff. Any? Chicken on George Foreman Girls is incredible. Any, like, just you throw a chicken breast on there. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Interesting. One straight cut from the wall. Okay, let's get back to more of these uh, White Castle facts, Coach. Well, no, no. Uh, you know, a happy anniversary to White Castle. we got to get to more facts on the Boston Bruins knocking off the Vancouver Canucks. You mentioned, uh, <laughs> for those not aware in Vancouver last night, and again, not to... Not to, you know, throw a, an entire negative umbrella on the whole city of Vancouver, but a certain segment of fans definitely were unruly. We hear about the celebrating team, Big Dog, sometimes getting out of control and uh, putting a bad mark on the city. In this case, it was the losing team's fans that apparently were a bit uh, unruly. You know, uh, absolutely, Coach. And, I mean, it was, like, hateful. It was ugly. The, the, the pictures, the video, that's why I brought it up. It's just like I was just amazed by it. I was like, come on, do you – it really means that much to you. It, you. You weren't participating in it. You know what I mean? That's what it's just. It's just odd, Coach. I can't stand behavior yeah. like disappointing. Very disappointing. Second biggest disappointment of the night. The biggest disappointment was the fact. And by the way, I went to the Cub game last night. We'll talk about that. Two hour and forty five minute rain delay. I get home about eleven forty five. No way can I watch Game Seven tape. But I do wake up this morning and watch the game, Big Dog. And as we talked about, hoping. Not really rooting for either team, but hoping for that one goal or tie game going in the third period. But uh, such was not to be. The Boston Bruins scored early. They scored often, and they went it four to nothing. There was very little suspense in the last half of the third period. No, no, I, you know I watched the whole game. I well, from and it was just methodical, wasn't it, Coach? And uh, you, you, I never felt at all like Vancouver could mount a comeback. You know, like yep. with ten minutes to go, down three nothing, mm-hmm. and uh, it was so desperate. I know it's three goals, but sometimes there's, you know, you're down three goals and you feel like, hey, we could get something going. Yep. But it was so desperate. They pulled Luongo with 3.30 to go in the game. Yeah. What do you got to lose? Yeah, I mean, how amazing. At 3.30 to go. It's game seven. You got to figure out a way to win. So it's, who cares if it's four, five, ten, nothing? Yep. You, you know what I mean? You got to figure out a, a way to win. Yep. So. And well, when you say that now, it's not like Boston dominated the game. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Hockey fans out there, you want to check in on the Game 7 finale as the Bruins bring yet another championship to Boston. Our phone number here, check in if you watched the game last night or, or early this morning, like a sick puppy like me, 888-463-6748. But Big Dog, it was not a game dominated by the Boston Bruins. In fact, when you watch the eye test, as I did, Vancouver, a more technically correct team, they're passing. Is crisper. They're a faster skating team, but they just didn't put puck in net. But I don't want to give the impression that Boston dominated the game because they didn't. Vancouver actually played on their end a lot more often. Well, it was, I would say it's about even. But one guy, Tim Thomas, was behind the pipes. Yep. And that was that's the, that was a complete difference. And I, whoever now who was doing it with Eddie Olchek? Who was the other analyst in the booth? Yeah, there I were can't three remember. guys doing it. Well, he brought up an excellent point, and he he said it's flat out. He's like, the Vancouver uh, defensemen are absolutely dead. And at the end, the last five, six minutes of the game, Vancouver did, get, did not get to one loose puck coach. Mm-hmm. It was all – Boston just – I mean, they did dominate the last five, six minutes of the game. Yep. They really – they put it on lockdown. Yep, and the so. kid uh, – is it Marchand? I want to say Nick, but that's not his first name. Marchand was the uh... – and he's not like a star player for the Boston Bruins. He's one of those bumpers and grinders, but he had the game of his life, scored a couple of goals, made a couple of great defensive plays. I think he had an assist as well, but he was the key to the Boston Bruins. Yeah, he was phenomenal. There was a bunch of big hits that kept, uh, you know, like Vancouver would look good and they'd have a couple crisp passes and 
out of nowhere, a Bruin would just get a nice, clean, mm-hmm. legal hit on somebody and put them right on their back, and and then they would get a flourish, and like a minute later, they'd have a goal after it. Mm-hmm. it. It was like Boston capitalized on every single bit yeah. of momentum that they created in yesterday's game, where Vancouver could not capitalize on any momentum yep. that they that they uh that they created during the game. Couldn't finish. If it was like a football game, the best way to describe it is they had many drives down the field but they couldn't kick the field goal, they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and let's give some credit. It would have been like they blocked a the field goal too because I mean Boston did play well defensively. Yep. I mean, it wasn't just Tim Thomas on his head. Mhm. All right, four nothing final score. Bruins win it. NHL hockey season comes to a completion on a June 15th. And, uh, what other note we should put in there, big dog? Uh, you know, the, you talk about the frustration of the Canadian hockey fans and you alluded to a little bit earlier, the Vancouver fans thinking that hockey is our sport and you guys don't follow it as much. That may be right. That may be wrong. But the fact is since 1993, we have not had a, a, a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, and I guess that would have been the last time the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal. Uh, yeah, they that they won. Yeah, but ever since then, mm-hmm. uh, the next year was uh, the the New York Rangers. Who could who forget? Their drought, and then after that, yeah, you're right. And then New Jersey, and then oh. and then you're talking Colorado and Detroit. Oh. Detroit, great memories. Back in New Jersey, and don't forget Dallas and oh. teams, and then teams like Carolina Woo! and Tampa Bay wow. are winning them. Oh. People up in Canada just got to be going yeah. crazy. Yeah. Tampa Bay. Wins, I mean, if Car- Atlanta, Carolina winning in hockey, you got to be kidding me. I know, yeah. The Carolina oh. Hurricanes, okay, with uh, Cam Ward. Cam Ward is a consummate trophy winner. People in Canada <laughs> were going out of their minds, Coach. I'm not kidding. They, so they were really, really upset. Oh, you took me down memory lane there. The memories. Oh, the memories. And don't forget when, like, Dallas and Carolina and Tampa Bay winning the Cups, they were beating teams from Anaheim and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. People in Canada... And and their teams, don't forget, kept on losing in a choke game to the Americans or the Russians or the Czechs. In in the, in the in, you know, hockey in Canada. If if you're 35 to 45 in Canada, and you're you know you're a diehard hockey fan like we are, baseball or football fan. Mm-hmm. You've had a hard life. <laughs> so don't forget they traded Gretzky to Los Angeles. Okay. Uh-huh. I mean, you, you think hockey is all you know, uh, love and happiness and rainbows up in Canada? It isn't anymore, Coach. How many Canadian there? There's the the how many Canadian teams you got? Vancouver Canucks, Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadian, Ottawa Senators. Is that it? Uh, uh, well, now you're going to have the new Winnipeg. Ah, that's right. Thrashers. The okay. Atlanta Thrasher have become the Winnipeg. They're they keeping the name Thrashers. Uh, I have no idea what they're doing with that. I, I I have no idea, but they probably will change it and give okay. it a whole new Winnipeg twist. And I guarantee you one thing: that team will never leave that city ever. They're going to figure out a way to keep yeah. that. You know what I mean? Will they, they will they take on the Jets name again, the Winnipeg Jets? Any chance of that? Possibly. Okay. You know, I thought about that, Coach. What they're going to do? What they're going to do? I'm not sure, but don't forget Edmonton. Okay. Oh, that's right. Uh, I, I, All right. So a fair amount of Canadian teams. If you went strictly on odds, the fact that they haven't won since 1993 uh, is certainly uh, to put it gently defies the odds. The but yeah, it's really ridiculous, Coach. Columbus. And Nashville, no, no, I'm not knocking these cities whatsoever. But mm-hmm. the NHL is way too thin at 30 teams. There, there is. They had 24 teams and a and a few more in Canada than in Atlanta and Tampa Bay. I think. Oh, I just think it would be a lot better for the whole. Oh, Canada. Oh, sorry. 
All right. Anything else? Uh, we got other stuff to get to, Big Dog. Don't forget, you are our U.S. Open expert. Hopefully, you got your notes in front of you. We're going to break down Bethesda, Maryland in just a second. But any final closing swan song in the National Hockey League season? The big picture, Big Dog. Or uh, if you want to give a little uh, foresight as we look ahead. Uh, or feel well, free to move on. Uh, it's cool when an original six team wins. I will say that. So that's why I was pulling for Boston. And they mm-hmm. hadn't won since my birth year. 1972, Coach. So. That was the last time for the Bruins? Yeah, that, wow. and uh, Bobby Orr. Johnny Busick, Phil Esposito. Yeah. yeah uh, John, uh, wasn't Phil Esposito a Philadelphia? Oh, no, no, you're talking about oh, the, the school wait, score. You're so, saying the Bruins haven't won since 72? 72. Wow, so that that's Esposito, I think. Yep. Busick, Jerry Cheevers in the net. I can't believe Yeah, Cheevers, Cheevers. No, yeah, I forgot Phil Esposito played on Boston and Philadelphia. Yeah. Right? Okay, that's what I forgot. I was, he, he was the guy, really, who brought the skill, if you want to call it that, of planting yourself in front of the net and, you know, getting deflections and getting rebounds. He was the first that really made that kind of a art form. Yeah, uh, Bernie Nichols took it to a new to a new uh, <laughs> a level. But yeah. you're right, Coach. That, wow. That's what he was known for. 72 for the Boston Bruins? I'm shocked. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Isn't that crazy? They won in yeah. 70 and 72, and they had possibly the – well, they had the greatest defenseman ever and. Some people say the greatest hockey player ever, if mm-hmm. not the or. And, it, you know, you could really put up, even though Gretzky's numbers are just so incredible, if you if you compare, like, him and Bobby Orr, Bobby Orr put up, he was a defenseman, and he was scoring 40 goals and having 80 assists a season. I mean, that's just, I watched them both know. play Big Dog, and it's, uh, first of all, Bobby Orr is my favorite hockey player to ever watch. I'll say that as far as favorite. Uh-huh. Boy, you are comparing, you know, the greatest, greatest with the greatest. You're, you're like really looking for just slight little edges. If I had to say, I might give the edge to Wayne Gretzky just because he was so much more creative and did so much uh, instinctual stuff. Bobby Orr, maybe maybe it's a generation thing, too, because uh-huh. Bobby Orr kind of, you know, at his time, he was, you know, incredibly creative, too, but then Gretzky took it to another level. But both of them were phenomenal. Bobby Orr, my favorite hockey player to ever watch play, though. But I, I'm glad you compare him that way, because and, and considering he's also a defenseman and mm-hmm. he came first, yep. when people are like, there's no question when Gretzky's the greatest ever, look at the record books. And I, I know you you have a center on a team with four other Hall of Famers, mind you. You know, and I, I'm not knocking Wayne Gretzky whatsoever, please. But it, it's... It's like the perfect storm of Wayne Gretzky. You have like the greatest scorer ever who happened to just be in an era where there's a lot of goals being scored. Oh, mm-hmm. by the way, he's got, uh, Mark Messier is the second line center just to keep other teams off balance. And he's got Yari Curry and all these other people around him. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and, I, I, you know, we talked about Phil Esposito being the guy who planted in front, uh, the first guy who made it a, a art form to put yourself in front of the net, Bobby Orr was really a guy who transformed what a defenseman should be prior to Bobby Orr. The defensemen were just that, defensemen. They were kind of mm-hmm. conservative by nature. They stayed in the back line. Bobby Orr brought the offensive game to the defense, and at that time it was very much of a breakthrough. Yeah, coach, before Bobby Orr, and it was just the original six, because, I mean, basically that's like the transition where Bobby Orr's career came in mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, when the NHL expanded from 16 to 12 teams. Um, and then, obviously, they you know, they kept expanding after that. They used to play 50 games a year, and defensemen like a good like a, an offensive scoring defenseman would have five goals. That'd be like having eight goals nowadays in uh-huh. 80 games. Yep. And all of a sudden he's scoring 40. <laughs> so that's pretty.
pretty good. I'd say that that goes under the qualification of revolutionizing the game a little bit. Yeah, it does. It All right. All right. Well, it was a great hockey season. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Boston Bruins celebrating the day in the city of Boston. And, boy, as they transition into other sports, Big Dog, the city of Boston has become championship town. New England Patriots, the Boston Celtics a couple of years ago, the Boston Red Sox recently, and now the Bruins. Uh, if you're a sports fan in Boston, you're feeling awfully good. Yeah, I was talking about it yesterday, and it's confirmed that of the four major sports Four championships you could win. Mm-hmm. This is the closest in the history of America that a city has won all. Interesting. It's seven years. Interesting. Seven years. Was that confirmed so. by actual research or uh, by your computer? Well, ESPN. Ah. And I was actually going to research it. I'm not kidding. Because I was okay. like, this is just amazing. All four of their teams have won since 2004. That's a pretty cool statistic. So the all shortest period of time, one city winning all four major championships. Yes. Yes. Wow. And um, the Chicago is I, – I, I needed to run back and hear it, but I was busy. So I, I really wish – I need to research this. I think they said Chicago has the longest drought or the second longest drought of not having a championship in any of the four major sports, which was 24 years. It was the 61 uh, Hawks won it, and then nobody won it until the 85 wow. Bears. Wow. Oh, no, 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 that, that's got to be wrong because the Bears won it in 63. So whoever said that was totally, totally wrong, and I'm sorry. I just said so it. So we, we had no championships mistake. in Chicago between the 63 Bears and the 85 Bears? Yeah, because they were the – No Cub, the, no the Sox. Bulls, obviously no the, Hawks. Obviously the, yeah, the, the baseball teams did it, no and Bulls. the Hawks uh, obviously did it, and the Bulls were created yep. in 67 and didn't win until yep. 91. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. And for Chicago – that's crazy. I mean, the, the, the New York in the 68 New York Jets won it. Um, but they didn't have the, they didn't have the, what do you call it? The, the hockey championship. Mm-hmm. But like within a couple of years, they did the New York had something very similar. Obviously, you know, North, New York's going to be on that list. They always have championships. Mm-hmm. Maybe the New York Cosmos won the Major League Soccer Championship. You know, maybe that well, qualifies. That wasn't one of the top four leagues, though, Coach. Okay. They did top 11. It would have been in there because I think <laughs> motocross. Yeah. New York motocross team had a really good year that year. With our luck, the Pro Bowlers Tour will be in Boston this coming weekend and make it a five spot. All right. Or maybe they'll be in Vancouver, and, you know, they'll be upset with who wins the Pro Bowlers Tour, and they'll riot out in the city of streets in Vancouver. Coach, i got to tell you something. Uh, I wouldn't, even though I told you I'm totally against it, yep. when you start riding with bowling balls and bowling pins. That can get ugly. But it's fun, you know. As long as you know you're not involved, <laughs> in it, you know you'll be watching it the whole entire time. Uh huh. Yeah, you can go in the back of the factory, take all the misdrilled uh, bowling balls, and put them to good use. Fire them around a little bit, you know, a little alcohol, a little mob mentality, and some old bowling balls. I think a good time would be had by all. Yeah, Coach, do you know that um, at like four thirty in the morning? Okay, if you take a bowling ball and you roll it as hard as you possibly can yeah. along somebody's patio yep. uh, that attaches to their garage, that the if you hit perfectly in between the studs unknowingly, because you really can't uh, time that up, especially if you're in an extremely uh, unsober uh, manner, okay. the ball will go directly through the garage. Did you know this? Why, why specifically at 430? Well, I'm just saying that you, oh. if you're doing something like that at 4.30 in the afternoon, you're just an idiot. Okay. If you're doing it at 4.30 in the morning, it's because you have severe issues and you probably <laughs> need to 
uh, dry out is the best word for me to tell you. Oh, goodness. All right. I never com- I did it. Huh? I'm not saying I did it. I saw it. I was simply amazed by it. It was legitimately one of the funniest things I may have seen. So in other words, what you're implying is somebody who under sobriety would have no chance in home of performing that skill, but under the influence late at night at like 4.30 in the morning, somehow he's able to pull off that feat. And, and you know, it is not just the, the capability of doing it, mm-hmm. the actual ability that you would do it. That's the key. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. You know, Why did you do it? Because Because it was there. Oh, goodness. Have you ever seen have you ever seen those slingshots, you know, two guys hold one side and one guy pulls it back and you let it go? Yeah. Um, do you know if you shoot one of those, it'll go directly through a house. Well, what what is the the object that they're slinging? Uh oh, I'm sorry, a cue ball. A so cue ball. Just say you go to a party. Okay. You take a couple of people's <laughs> bowl, uh, pool table balls. Again, this is strictly not something you've done, I'm sure, big dog, but strictly in theory. No, I'm I, honestly I had nothing to do with this, but I did see it done. Okay, and it went it went right through the house. I was I've never seen anything like it, Coach. <laughs> when you say right through the house, right through the wood exterior, right through, through the, the window, or it went right through the side of the of wow. the wood exterior of the house. Wow, I, I, that's no joke. I, I was I, like my mouth dropped, and I'm like, guys, you should not have done that. I, that was one of the <laughs> things that I felt really when I saw that I was dumbfounded, Coach. Yeah. So you can do a lot of damage with bowling balls. And uh, bowling pins and cue balls and, and, and pool table balls. So. Hey, we got a lot of high school kids, a lot of grammar school kids out of school right now listening to the two guys at a mic show, Big Dog. That following uh, couple of minutes was a public service statement from us. We do that each and every morning here uh, during the summer months when the kids are out of school. Let that be a lesson to all the young folks out there. Do not, do not slingshot a cue ball near uh, anyone's house. Actually, do you know one of the dumbest things I did? Now, this is something that I Uh-oh. did. I, I, pulled, I did a water balloon, and I shot it at my buddy's dorm. Okay. okay. And I missed, and I ended up like going to the right. It hit the window of my defensive coordinator on the college football <laughs> team, who happened to be the AD of that dorm, and it busted the window. You talk about stupid, Coach. A water balloon bust the window. Yeah. That's a little hard to believe. It, well, it did. It did. Wow. And, uh, and it was my, and he was like, a, you know, he was a hard ass. I, got uh-huh. to, I, I had to pay for it. So up another public announcement, those slingshots can really hurt. They can really, really do some serious damage mm-hmm. is, is all I'm saying. They, so just if this, if this is a public service announcement, trust me, I paid dearly, well, coach. All I can say dearly. is thank goodness, big dog, you in your later thirties now, you, uh, did not have at your disposal some of the machine gun type water gun facilities that are available to youngsters now, because I got a feeling if those things were available back in your younger or more rambunctious days, that you probably would not be, you might be talking to me right now, but you'd be talking to me behind the glass with a, a phone that allows you only like two minute conversation per week. Nothing is as powerful as those slingshots. Coach. Those things, well, that's true. But the water guns are pretty, uh, it's not like the squirt guns that I used to use, I can tell you that. Yeah, the, the ones I used were, you know, they, they, you can get somebody at 90 feet, you know, but, mm-hmm. uh, the ones they have nowadays are a yeah. little different. They they shoot like boric acid. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That, we, that we, sucks. Okay. I mean, back in your day, you thought the the more rifle-esque type water gun where you pump it up a little bit and then it shoots out a spray, that was considered pretty cool. Yeah, it was. But I, I hate to yeah. tell you, I don't want to make you feel old, big dog, but nowadays that that what was really cool in your generation, old-fashioned. 
Oh, they've I gone. They are, yeah. Oh, they've gone way beyond that. Now you got cartridges you can, you know, load up. You got machine gun type water guns. Uh, you're, yeah, you're, you're way beyond, way yeah, over the hill when it comes to water fight. How about practicality? How about in an actual water battle? Is it more effective or is it just yeah. a lot more stuff that you? Hey, look how cool this is. But in general, would you just rather have a big nope. tank, a pump and go after somebody? I'd, I'd like to uh, be on your side, but no, they're they're pretty efficient actually. Oh, this what, yeah, and the kids know how to use them. Yeah, it's 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 it can get a little rough. Uh, definitely don't drink and shoot water pistols at the same time. All right, eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. We covered NHL hockey, big dog. Uh, they are teeing off right now in Bethesda, Maryland, the Congressional Golf, uh, Congressional Country Club, I should say. I think the third time they've run the U.S. Open there. The eighteenth hole, by the way, is a monster. It's going to be very, very interesting. I think it's surrounded by water on three different sides. So if it's tight going into the final day, that 18th hole is going to be dramatic to watch. And, but, it's, uh, and it's 537. Yes, one of the longest. I think it's like two yards short of the longest par four uh, on an 18th hole in majors history. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a beast of a hole. Mm-hmm. Wide it's open, major. though, dog. Wide, wide open. I think I saw something in the paper uh, today where the last 10 major tournaments, we've had 10 different winners. There's no dominant golfer. I don't know if it's good or bad. I tend to think it, it's kind of good, but um, it is a wide, maybe as wide open of a major as, as I can ever remember. Uh, without a doubt that I ever remember because, uh, obviously, Proceeding, it was no matter what. Even if he, we didn't know he was healthy. We all thought it was Tiger Woods going in, right? So you, you can't debate anything since 1997 mm-hmm. that we didn't think Tiger Woods could possibly be the or was the favorite. And then before that, you always had somebody like playing really, really well, and it was like a a Davis Love the Third, who by the way is playing really well right now, or like a Faldo, or there was always somebody that was a really good golfer playing at the top of their game, a couple of them that you can be like, hey, this guy's a favorite. Right mm-hmm. now, we have no idea. Because Luke Donald missing easy putts, the, the, you know, the number one player in the world right now is, is struggling. You know, so, and he's, is, is he going to be the number one player in the world next week? And the guy who replaces him won't be the number one at five weeks from now. Any chance you were up at uh, 6 o'clock this morning to watch the very first guys tee off a threesome of Dae-Hyun Kim, Shayez Ravey, and Shane Lowry, any chance you were up at 6 o'clock to watch the tip-off, Big Dog? Hey, hey Coach, uh, I was not, but I just realized something. Okay, so that's 6 o'clock in the morning. All those guys are in different, way different time zones around the world. They have been pairing people up mm-hmm. by what um, what country they're from. It makes sense. So, like, if you're from Sweden, you want to see the Jacobsons and those other, you know. So they're, they're, everybody is going out together. So maybe, like, they have the, the Korean guy go out at... Six o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. it's what, seven p.m. in in Seoul, Korea at the time. So I am assuming that your uh, ridiculous theory is is being spoken to us with tongue firmly implanted in cheek. No, no, I'm, I'm not whatsoever because they you're being you're serious. Specifically said that they look at the pairings. Everybody is from the same country in all the pairings. Well, Shane Lowry and uh, Dae-hyun Kim aren't from the same country. Well, there's what South Africa and but what. Obviously, they can't do it perfectly. But Matt Kuchar, Paul Casey, KJ Choi. I don't know about that. Louis Oosterhausen. Don't forget about him, by the way. Graham McDowell. So the he was South last Africans. year's winner, right? Graham McDowell. Yeah, two South Africans, right? 
Okay. Coach, I was I've been watching the I've been watching it all morning. That's okay. what the announcer said is they've been pairing people up by. Right, there you, I wasn't sure if you were. I thought you were Yankees changed, but apparently you are being very serious with that. Uh. Well, if you want to utilize or you know make sure you get the most TV coverage, that makes okay. sense. Hey, okay, the Korean guys, you're going to go out in the morning because it's going to be uh, prime time television time uh, in Korea, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're like, hey, heck yeah, my my cousin Lee can watch me. Mm-hmm. All right. my, my other cousin Lee can watch me. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big dog and a coach. Answer service. Talk a little U.S. Open, folks. 888-463-6748-72 holes. I'm sure we'll have some unnamed guys. And, you know, this is one of these tournaments. We always kid where you get these unnamed guys that lead after day one and day two and they might disappear. You know what? This could be one of the few major tournaments maybe where that guy we've never heard of, that's up front in the first day or two, maybe he does not disappear because there is no dominant force. Maybe this is the year that some unknown comes out early and actually sticks around for the finish. You never know. I'm going to I'm gonna totally disagree with you. What I, what I think is going to happen is if somebody does get out in front, there is for some reason in the media, there is such a need to have somebody step forth and, 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 you know, and grab a hold of best golfer in the world mm-hmm. that uh, – They'll be broken of, of two days' worth of scrutiny, and uh, you're much better off playing in the weeds. So they're going to they're gonna pump this guy up so much that he's going to he's going to feel the media scrutiny and and then crack under the pressure. That's what I'm thinking, Coach. Yeah, it's that, an interesting that, theory. That's because right, isn't it? What's this need to find out who the best golfer is? It's going to take it isn't going to take us this tournament. It's going to take us a year or two mm-hmm. of tournaments to really figure out who the best golfer in the world is now that Tiger Woods isn't any. Well, for the next 72 holes, we're not going to try to figure out who the best golfer in the world is over the long term. All all particular guy has to be is the best golfer for the next four days. That's what it's going to take to win the major. you got 150 of the best golfers. One guy, Big Doe, one guy is going to win it all. And it's harder to win a golf tournament than it is a Stanley Cup playoff, an NBA Finals, a Major League Baseball championship, just on numbers alone. Correct me if you think I'm uh, incorrect, no, I, I but know. right? No, I, I totally agree with you that it, it is much more difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, and I, I totally agree with the fact that let's just take advantage of the next four the, the four days. We're not going to find who the best golfer of the world is. We're going to find out who the 2011 U.S. Open champion is going to mm-hmm. be. Okay. And, and, you know, and that's all part of the process. But All right. I still... I still have my Nick Watney tick, by the way. Every once in a while, it's like, uh, what's that, Tourette's syndrome? Uh-huh. Right now, I've got the the Nick Watney Tourette's version. of it. Every once in a while, I just go into minor convulsions and just repeat Nick Watney over and over again. I don't know if they have uh, medicine for that. for that yet. To be yeah, I certainly hope so, because it's getting a little bit have one. A little bit aggravating, quite frankly. At any rate, uh, do you want to make a pick? Oh, whoa, by the way, we put it on our Facebook page. I should mention this uh, $50 cash giveaway. Anybody that emails in Mike2GuysAOL.com or, better yet, calls us on the show here makes a prediction, 888-463-6748. We are giving $50 cold cash away to anybody who picks the winner of the U.S. Open. Big Dog, not too bad of a deal. Well, I'm sticking with my pick from yesterday, which yep. is Steve Stricker. Wow. Oh, by the way, it only costs you $25 to make that pick. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, uh, you're not uh, charging that to our our, our list. No, no, For I'm me, kidding. It's fine, that's quite no, right. Would not do that. Steve Stricker is one of the guys people are talking about. Um, I think he's coming off like at twenty to one odds, but he's one of the hotter golfers of late. Probably in that 
maybe group of 10 or 20 uh, big dog of, of really good golfers who haven't won the major yet. So he's a guy that could bust out at the right time. Yeah, and my and my hometown pick is just because I don't know what the heck I'm talking about in terms of golf, Coach. Mm-hmm. Like if I was picking the NCAA football champion, I would not just pick the team from right. Illinois because I thought right. they were going to win. All right, but you are a golfing expert uh, having said that. Of course I am. Thank you very much. That's my title. Thank you. 888-463-6748. Big Dog uh, moving quickly to baseball. One-hour show. we got to hop around. we got to scoot around quick as we can. The uh, Chicago Cubs lose last night 9-5 to to Milwaukee. White Sox lose 4-1. to Not a good day for the Chicago teams. Red Sox and Yankees both win. Uh, Cincinnati knocked off L.A., so some interesting baseball yesterday. The uh, White Sox, uh, let's start with them. They, they cannot solve the Minnesota, if you'll call it jinx, but Minnesota's style of play definitely seems to affect the Chicago White Sox. When I say style, quick, small ball, speed, stealing bases, big hits at clutch times. Do you think that um, there's a little bit of psychology to it, and that's why Minnesota has flat out owned the White Sox, even in years when the mm-hmm. White Sox have won the division. Yes. Because all, all Ozzy talks about and preaches in spring training and what he wants the team to be able to do is hit behind runners, advance, go first to third, uh, make sure you defense the bunt properly, and then all of a sudden the season starts and he's got people like Adam Dunn and Carlos Quinton and, and Alex Rios, a bunch of sluggers up and down the, the order. And I didn't put Paul Canerco in the middle of that because Paul mm-hmm. Canerco produces year in, year out, and Carlos Quinton hasn't done that yet. You know, and then and then they play the Twins, and all of a sudden it's the exact style ball that uh, Gian has always begged them to play. And even though if you look at the roster, it makes no sense that the Twins are beating the White Sox on a on a dominant and routine basis. That That's the only thing I can think of, Coach, because mm-hmm. it makes no sense. The, pitch, the pitching staffs, you look at them, White Sox advantage. Batting lineup, White Sox advantage. Fielding, obviously the Twins have the advantage. Why do the Twins dominate them? No Joe Maurer yesterday, no Jim Tomei, no Jason Kubel. And you're exactly right. How painful is it to lose to the Twins and have them beat you at the style that you want to play? And uh, do I have an explanation for it, Big Dog? Not really, but I do, in answer to your very first quandary, yes, I do think a lot of it is psychological, not just with Ozzy, but with the players now. They got that little, uh, maybe it's not major, but in the back of their mind, they got that thing they can't beat Minnesota. I think it's six consecutive regular season wins now for the Twins over the White Sox. Uh, that would make sense. And, and legitimately, there was a year where they, the White Sox played 18 games against the Twins, and they beat them like 14-4. Mm-hmm. But other than that year, it's the exact opposite. It's the, the Twins 12-6, so 11-7, you know, or 12-7. It, it's just unbelievable how they always pound the White Sox, especially up in Minnesota. The, the Metrodome, the Target Center, it makes no difference up there in Minnesota at this point. Mm-hmm. Carl Pavano, uh, the veteran, the guy who got it done yesterday for the Twins. They knock off the White Sox 4-1. to Big dog, I was lucky enough to make my first appearance at Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field. Yesterday, uh, as the Milwaukee Brewer knocked off the Cub 9-5, to and uh, I got to enjoy a nice one-hour and 45-minute rain delay at the start of the game. It's the first game I've been to that there's been a significant rain delay at the start of the game. But uh, Cub- I've been to many. Oh, my goodness, have I been to many of those. I've been to some where you know, it starts, and then they bring out the tarp. Mm-hmm. But this was the first one where... Um, it was a long rain de- delay, and I will tell you this: you know, all you got all these newspaper writers now in Chicago got nothing better to do. They get wrapped up in the negativity, you know, calling Wrigley Field a mess, and 
trash can, whatever. There's been some negative words. we got to blow it up. The Cubs won't win until they completely redo Wrigley Field. You know, I had an hour and 45 minutes, and we got there half an hour before the game. So I had plenty of time to wander around Wrigley Field. I did two laps around, once with my kids and once with the Uncle Andy. i got to tell you some good Uncle Andy stories, too. Uh, Uncle Andy has not been to a, a baseball game in like 25 years. Wow. But, uh, so I did two. Huh? Since the 80s? He, uh, Uncle Andy is the, is still living in the 60s a little bit. Got the long hair. It's long gray hair at this point. Got the mustache going, wore the, uh, blue jean jacket and blue jeans, tattered blue jean jacket and blue jeans to the game. Looked a little bit out of place. We got a few funny looks. He did not look like uh, your typical baseball fan, but he was trying to figure out the game, shall we say. You know, it's been a while. Uh, to give you an example, like the Brewer, <laughs> Milwaukee had runners on first and second. Uh-huh. Okay, and Uncle Andy uh, goes, oh, man, this is tough for the Cubs. Base is loaded. Or they get a hit or something. Oh, that was bad. Bases were loaded. No, 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 Uncle Andy. It was runners on first and second. Oh, the bases were loaded. And he points over. They go, no, no, Andy, that's the third base coach. He goes, oh, a trick play, huh? He thought that was a trick play. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It was an entering. Oh he thought it was the third base coach because that always confuses girls from Europe whenever you know yeah. taking them to a, a baseball game. Right. Well, you know they're dressed, and it's the only sport I can think of where the coaches are dressed like the players. So it is a little confusing. And he was kind of bent over like the other runners leading off. But uh, you know, he thought he thought that was some trick play the Milwaukee Brewers were doing. We had to explain to Uncle Andy. But the point I'm trying to make is that Wrigley Field is beautiful, big dog. I walked inside. They they fixed up the washrooms a little bit. They still got the troughs. But you also got your individual stalls, uh, urinals, if you want to use the them. Trough. It's I don't a find the trough. in and out, bing, bang, boom. Yeah, absolutely. I don't get to touch the toilet thing. I, absolutely. You know what I mean, and uh, and plus, I'm the guy who stands like two or three feet away from the trough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh a little backsplash situation. I get some looks, coach. I yeah, looks, because I don't want to be anywhere near the stuff. But trust me, I got to tell you something, people. Yeah, they, they they get worried when they're next to me and I'm standing two feet away from them. Let that be a lesson. I'll, I'll make a note of that next time I go to a game with you. <laughs> Got to go to the washroom code. No, I'm fine. I'm all good. Uh, but the bottom line is at Wrigley Field, uh, Big Dog, beautiful. Uh, you know, you fix it up a little bit here or there, and I think the Ricketts family has done that a little. I don't understand all the call for uh, the destruction or the major reconstruction of Wrigley Field. I really don't. Well, they do need to. They need to redo the upper deck. What they need to do is take it down mm-hmm. and put it back up. What's wrong with the upper deck? Uh, I, I just think they can totally change the whole thing because you know the concrete's falling from it. It's, it's dangerous. Uh, I just think well, they could redo obviously, it. if you got concrete falling, you got to fix that. Yeah. So that, exactly. I mean, that's that's, that, that's a no-brainer. But but the field itself, and there's been a lot. You've read it a lot recently. There's been conversation about you know the Cubs won't win a championship until they. Major renovations to Wrigley Field. It's beautiful, and again, this is from walking around it and inside, outside of it, and inside of it. There were probably ten thousand people in the ballpark when you were walking around in it yesterday, Coach. Trust me, if there were forty-two thousand in there, you wouldn't have your same, uh, you wouldn't have your same experience and fun time as you would have had if it was that way, Coach. I don't know. Come game time, it was uh, close to full. Close. I'm not going to say it was full capacity, but it was, it was a pretty good crowd. Pretty good crowd. I think they've they've put in more concession stands. The lines don't seem to be as long. And I will tell you, I had the best pulled pork sandwich I've ever had at a ballpark. Okay, because I, I was going to ask what you ate because yeah. uh, 
uh, the best kosher dog at Wrigley Field is the, the only thing that I, I've ever really liked. So I'm going to have to taste the, the, the. This is new. They have new food at Wrigley Field. Yes. So supposedly it's some really good stuff. That's yeah. Got new Typ- food there. Typically, the pulled pork. If you got it before Wrigley Field, you get you know like uh, two uncooked buns, and they throw a little little bit of pork in between. You know, throw it in the basket. Here you go. Thank you very much. Seven bucks. Well, this was six fifty, but it was piled. With the pulled pork, the buns actually had a little warmth to them and next to it, a little condiment situation. We actually had a pickle and a little bucket of coleslaw that went in the basket all for six fifty. Big Dog. I was shocked and somewhat um, encouraged. I, uh, I am shocked. Uh, I, I haven't gone to Wrigley Field this year, Coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm going to go soon. I'll probably go like on a Thursday coming up pretty soon. Who could forget the last time you and me went to Wrigley Field together? What was it, two seasons or three seasons ago? Might have been three. Are you talking about the Pittsburgh game? I'm talking about the game where you dressed up as. Uh, oh, as as. Uh, what was the name of that guy again? This year, man. This year, man. Uh, he's going to make a comeback, coach. <laughs> this year, man. Is, is, he just knows not to come out this year. He per- said he knew not to come out this year because he knew this year was not here. Okay. Producer David Olson, have you have we talked about this year, man? Or check on your website. You should be. Will he be able to get a picture of this year, man? Yeah, he can he can friend this year, man. On, oh, it's uh, Facebook. Yeah. Okay. I, I have to. I'm I'm going to actually start changing all that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I you know the, the significant other. She bought me a computer. I'm going to try to get my life organized and mm-hmm. updated to 2012. Okay, coach. Okay. I really am going to try to. I certainly hope so. And, and it's I'm a, I'm still like Uncle Andy in the 1980s when it comes to this. Okay, <laughs> you got to see my computer. I got to run everything. I got to I have to type in run to, to actually send an email. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bad. That's not good. No. That's not good for your generation. But uh, basically, this year, man, was we dressed the big dog up pretty much like Superman, right? With the red cape, but the I whole blue the, tights, the whole. I, I had the Chicago club. Right. Undershirt with uh-huh. a tight shirt, and instead of the big S on it, it had the Chicago Cub insignia. Right. I had the red boots. Yep. The blue tights and the red trim thing around. You it, know, it was an idea that we had had, and Big Dog, we've come up with so many ideas over the years, but this one we actually followed through. I went to the costume shop. You got your whole decked out and everything. We actually went to not opening game, but I think the second game of the year. Correct. Yeah, that might have been right. Second, yeah. it was really early. Yep. And I remember at first walk we parked and we walked and we were getting some looks. You were a little, a little reserved at first, but then we walked in the Cubby Bear before the game, and a couple of cocktails, and all of a sudden, this year man took on a new image. You were, you were in your zone. Um, you know, you know, coach. I didn't get home until six thirty in the morning after you left me, just to let you know. <laughs> yeah, David, you got a picture up there? You can't find a picture of this year man. Even if he Googles this year, man, Big Dog, it won't come up? I don't think he's going to find it. i got to work more on getting that. But it's on my face. I, I friended him on Facebook, so he's one of my friends, Dave. That's all I get is this year, man, I'm my, I'm my friend. All right. But but basically what happened is, you know, we're walking around the park, and people are starting to notice it was working pretty I good. High fives from people. Yeah, we were, we were trying to promote the show along with it. We're well, passing out the cards. pictures with me. Yeah. Then we, uh, we, we pay our ticket, and we go in. The ticket taker gives us a little bit of luck, but no problem at all. And then we walk up the stairs to the third base side, and you start walking down the aisle. And the crowd, I'm not going to exaggerate and say they all started going well, but they started, they saw you, and they started to get into it. You started to get some comments, people clapping a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Got you going a little bit, and then all of a sudden, within, David's got a picture of it now, 
after about maybe a minute at most up there, all of a sudden uh, the head usher comes up to us. And they walk us out. They're like, hey, we got to take you around to this office. we just got we got yep. to talk about something. Yep. Isn't that what he said to us, Coach? Wasn't yep. he really nice and yep. polite like that? Yep. We, that he, he basically told, I don't know how polite he was. He was pretty strict about it. But we got a rule against uh, costuming here at Cubs Park. You can't wear costumes at the park. I guess but, they don't. But, uh, but he did say all that. But I want to. But I want to. I want to be totally 100% what he did. He was like, hey, just come around. We'll talk about this. Just come around this park. We're going to take you to the to the, uh, the Chicago Cub head offices. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was like, okay. Right when we left the park, it meant that we were taken out of the park. So when we tried to get back in, like, yep. we were escorted out of the park. Yep. Like, he, he told us to come right here. Well, were you escorted out of the park? You know, it was one of those things. It was a catch-22. They to- yep. That guy totally screwed us over is what I'm trying to say. He, he mm-hmm. made it seem like, hey, it's all right. Just come all around. You know, you can't be in here, but we'll go to the head offices and talk about it. Uh-huh. And all he was doing is, was escorting us out of the ballpark. Yep. Once you leave the park, those ushers are pretty strict about not letting you back in. Well, let's see. I was like, I didn't yeah. want to leave. So we went down into the management's office. Uh, there, there's Joel in a Superman cape, as this year, man, and me trying to talk logically to these people. Of course, they would have nothing of it. And Ronnie Woo Woo was down there. Oh, uh, right? right, Coach, I tell you, I have crazy stuff happens to me everywhere I go. Uh-huh. I, like every day, stuff like this happens to me. Okay, and yes, Ronnie Woo Woo comes there to try to reason for me. That wasn't working <laughs> out too well. When you get Ronnie Wu trying to be the voice of reason in your argument, you know your argument is sliding downhill quickly. You just lost. The guy could be arguing that two plus two is four, and you're still like, oh, no, I don't think we're going to convince these people. I think they're going to doubt it. Uh, At any rate, um, we gave it a shot, Big Dog. It was an ultimate failure at the end, but we gave it a shot. It's not over. It's not over. This man will be brought back out. But I knew this year I couldn't do it. uh, You know how I felt about this team this year. Yep. Uh, and and but they're finally doing what I uh, they're purging this whole team, purge okay. them all. All right. Well, let me know if you go again. I'll be happy to escort you. And um, I'll be next year, man. <laughs> maybe we should just uh, we should have probably quit while we were ahead and just stay at Cubby Bear the whole the whole game. We well, uh, or, I stayed in the neighborhood, but I really don't really yeah. recall much what happened. You were a big hit, if I remember finally at the, during the game at Captain Morgan's Club. Mm-hmm. People were taking pictures with you. You got groped a couple times. I was I was I was pretty fit back then, Coach. <laughs> oh goodness! Hey, dog, I got to get out of here early today. I'm going to let you wrap up uh, the end of the show. Talk about the Cub defeat yesterday, nine to five. We got Milwaukee coming up today, and then the New York Yankee come a visit in Wrigley Field, huh? Uh, that's pretty exciting. Too bad, uh, like the only reason why I really want to see the New York Yankees, Derek Jeter will not be there. I was really hoping yep. he'd be able to. Uh, get hit number 3,000 at Wrigley Field, but he's on the DL with uh, with the cast train. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody thinks that uh, – are you, do you want to head out right now, Coach? Yeah, finish it off with uh, David Olson. I will talk to you tomorrow, but give a uh, quick baseball recap, and uh, we will check in tomorrow. Hopefully my Nick Watney ticks will be over by then. Coach, uh, I, hopefully they find a cure for that for you. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, recently, Derek Jeter goes on the DL with uh, with a problem with calf strain. And they're like, it's not really musculature. They're really not sure what it is. They need to take his blood because what ends up happening is most of the time a calf strain is actually uh, when your body is lacking some type of nutrient. It might sound crazy, people, but what the, your calves are the furthest part away, uh, body part away from your heart. And a lot of times when those particular body parts, your calves, or maybe like stuff around your wrists and your hands, they don't get all the nutrients in your muscles that you need. So that ends up people's hands cramp up a lot or their calves end up getting strained easy. He's probably lacking 
phosphorus, or magnesium. I'm not kidding. You should check it out. But uh, around baseball, uh, today, the Cubs are taking on uh, Zach Greinke and the Milwaukee Brewers. Zach Greinke's only pitched about eight starts so far with the uh, Brewers because he's come back from the rib injury. But he's been dominant, even though his ERA is around three and a half. Striking out like ten people a ball game. Cubs will have their hands full today at a 120 start over at Wrigley Field. So, other than that, David Olson, what's up with the Chicago White Sox? I have no idea, Big Dog. <laughs> uh, just wonder you're not paying any attention to him. No, not at this Whatever. point. Not at this point. On and off. Okay. On and off. I think they're hanging in there. They've got the deficit down enough where I think they can make a run in the back half of the season, but honestly, it's just been, you kind of lose interest because they played so poorly at the beginning of the season. I'll check back in after the All-Star break. Okay, I've been watching them every game. I just wanted to hear your pulse on the team because we really, I haven't asked you, you know, and then we're over a third left, or a third into the season, so yeah, the, right now, they're three games or four games below 500. They're uh, five and a half out of first place. I mean, this is or four and a half out of first place, so uh, as soon as they get to 500, I, I really do think that they could put uh, the goal of winning the division, you know, in their sights because Detroit isn't that much better than them, and Cleveland is coming back to earth. But uh, uh, I would not be surprised if we actually have a four-team race in the, in the second half in the American League Central. So, well, I guess you know, Coach bailed out, which is all good. Uh, this is uh, the big dog Jordan Watson. I do appreciate everybody listening. Uh, two guys and a mic. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking baseball. We'll be talking about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, don't forget to email us at twoguysmike at AOL.com. Thank you very much, David Olson. Uh, make sure to check us out tomorrow at 10 a.m. Peace out, everybody.